Good to see y'all. It's good to be back in the States um, after a week in Ecuador. Trying to keep up with Gary Pate. If any of you have been around him, you'll understand what I'm talking about. He makes the Energizer Bunny look like a lazy little rabbit. I'll just tell you that. Um, so, having come back, I'm on the typical mission high where all I want to do is talk about missions and Ecuador and all that. That's not what Mike asked me to do today, but I am going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, and then we'll move on into the lesson to continue in the series in Galatians, um, the freedom in between. But I do want to mention a couple things. Uh, one, the my best man in my wedding, Billy Pointer, uh, I guess 13, 14 days ago, was admitted to the hospital with COVID, developed into pneumonia. The last update we saw was he's on a ventilator and dealing with AFib for his heart. And the doctors told his wife it's not looking good. So um, just keep the Pointer family in your prayers. And ironically, they, they've had a rough couple of years just before I left traffic homicide. His dad was sitting in the drive-thru at the McDonald's at McCormick and uh, Monument. Somebody lost control and hit his car and he died in that car crash. So the family's had a, a rough few years of it, but uh, just pray for the Pointer family, uh, specifically for Billy being in the hospital. Uh, also pray for the youth van. They are having a bit of a technical difficulty. They're in Columbia, South Carolina, a couple hours out from Ridgecrest so that they can get the logistics to fix that and continue on their way. Uh, they left about 5.30 this morning to head that way. Um, also, in, in regards to, oh, uh, pray for Larry Stokes, one for Mama Stokes, but then two, you know, Larry put in for a hardship transfer and the federal government decided to deny that at this point. So he's probably going to appeal it. So pray for that, that he can get home to be with family and uh, help take care of Mama Stokes, as we call her. We lovingly call her. It's good to see Steph here. Um, as well. So pray for those things. Uh, and also specifically, uh, I want to show you, I've got a message from some friends of ours, and then I'm going to bring up one more prayer request. Hello, First Baptist Church Ocean Way in Jacksonville, Florida. Dina and I are here in Ecuador. We actually have some friends here from your church, the Pecks. But uh, we are in a place called Los Tunis on the coast of Ecuador. We're fixing to do one of our Bible clubs here. We come here once a month. We're hoping next year to do it more regularly. But we're going to share a Bible lesson. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to give the children a chance to say a memory verse from the last time we were here. And if they can quote that by memory, we're going to give them a little prize. And uh, we're just going to love on these children and their parents and their families and share the gospel of Jesus. And you are a part of that because you pray and because you give. It allows us to be able to do what we do. So one day we believe we're going to see many children and their families in, in heaven because of our, our partnership together and your investment in the kingdom in Ecuador. God bless you, and we love you. Bye. Thank you. All right, so that's Gary and Dina. For those of you that don't know, uh, of Pate Ministries for the Children of Ecuador. So that's who we were working with this week. Uh, you know, and, and as we're there, we, we do have a little bit of time. They're on the Pacific Coast uh, in a place they live in Rio Chico. Uh, it's very beautiful. The coast is very beautiful. But as you can see from that picture, and um, that was one of the, that was the last club of eight. We did eight clubs while we were there, and we're they're not going to the 
beautiful beaches to pass out tracts. They're going to these villages where these kids don't have much um, and sharing the gospel. So a couple things. Um, they said to, to have 700 crafts ready, and I thought, well, maybe that was just some wishful thinking. You know, have too many in case there's, you know, you have more kids than you thought. We only had 600, but that's because one club, three quarters of them were gone for catechism classes. And so they would have had seven, 750 people. Um, kids and adults, they all come and listen. Again, it's the poor areas that they go to. We went for basically a rally ride in two Hyundai H1 vans to get to one of the clubs. We're going through rivers and up hills in the mud. You know, here in the States, we paid to rent a Jeep to go do that stuff. And they're driving these poor vans up the, the mountains to get to them. But um, I say all that to say pray for the Pates. Uh, right now, they're just doing the clubs on the coast once a month. There's lots of changes coming for them, um, probably some big news coming at the first of the year. I'm not at liberty to really say too much about that, but just pray for them. And also pray for the fact that they've been, they were in Cuenca for nine years, and so everything was running smooth. Uh, again, if you know Gary, you know he's got a guy for everything. He doesn't have all those guys on the coast yet, so it's harder to find hotels and places to eat and things like that, places to fix the van and such. Um, so keep them in your thoughts and prayers as they uh, go through that. And I'll tell you, one of the, if you ever go on a mission trip, any kind, like what the kids are going on now from youth camp all the way to a foreign mission trip to India, you're always going to wind up being humbled in some form. And so we went to a club. We had the, the club. The uh, power was out, so they literally ran an inverter from the van to run the TV and the, the charger for the laptop to show them a video. Uh, and so sometimes they have water, sometimes they don't. They have to get it all trucked in. And as we were leaving, they're like, hey, come on over. We got something for you. And they took the time. They had this stove or oven. I guess it's an oven, open-air oven. And they made us tortillas was the best thing they could tell us they were. But they made this food for us in a milk drink. And it's all from hand from the little stuff that they had. And so we go there to minister to them, and they wind up doing things for us out of their, their lack. Um, so it's very humbling to be over there trying to minister to them, and then they just, out of their spirit, they give to you from what little they have. But they were really good. It was handmade, hand-crushed corn and, and all that. But anyways, um, we're going to continue to partner with them. Uh, like Mike said, though, we need to pray for travel. It's a whole lot different. It's really tough. I'm, I'm all about reading people. That's what I've done for the last 20 years of my job. And it's hard to read people with a mask on. It's like, are you mad at me? Are you happy with me? Are you grumpy? What? It's good for me because I always look grouchy, and people can't tell I look grouchy because I have the mask on. But um, So travel, things like that. The Haiti team with unrest in Haiti. Uh, India, Mike is not able to take a team back to India right now. They pretty much shut it down. So um, God is bigger than COVID. We know that. But just pray that we can navigate through all this to be able to minister to those we're called to minister to. Um, all right, so with all that said, um, I was going to speak next week, but had some scheduling conflicts, so Brother Mike was nice enough to swap with me. So I've got Freedom as Sons to go in the Freedom series, the Freedom in Between. Um, and just as a return shout out, I wasn't here last Sunday, but I watched the sermon on YouTube. And shout out to Brother Jordan for using Scooter in a sermon. Um, he's required to do that every sermon for me. I'm just kidding, of course. But, um, and, you know, thanks to him, 
to, to deal with our youth because some of us are not called to deal with the youth, but that's a very important segment of our church. It's our future. They're going to grow up to be the leaders of maybe not this church, but, you know, the, the Christian movement. So thank you for Blair and Jordan for, uh, for taking that responsibility. So Micah sent a message out to, to the us guys to that he was going to do this series and that he was going to do a couple and then he was going to allow us to, to fill in when he was gone. And so I looked at the list of names, and you have Pastor Micah is going to be preaching, Pastor Jordan is going to be preaching, Pastor Mike Bondanza is going to be preaching, Brother Dave Thomas, who we affectionately called the professor for his uh, uh, wealth of knowledge and, and preparation and preparing sermons, and then you got Sarge, little old me, um, no formal training, but as I thought about that and was tempted to be uh, nervous about it or say I'm not worthy, I realize it's not really us that's bringing the message, it's the Holy Spirit. Hopefully we're just being the vessel, we're faithful to be the vessel to open up and let the Word of God be shared with y'all through us. Uh, so it helped to, to calm the nerves a little bit. This isn't my first time up here, and unless you guys vote to kick me off the island, hopefully it won't be my last time up here but we'll see how that goes when you have to vote next week um i'm just i'm kidding of course so i'm going to look at freedom of son as sons and we're going to talk a little bit about adoption here towards the end but i'm going to start um with if you guys know david platt uh, micah has quoted him he's the the pastor that does the secret church that we do i think it's every year now six months for a while but every year where we sit in here from about 7 at night till 1 in the morning, or 2 in the morning when somebody crashes and takes out the power for the first hour. But uh, So we, it's an extensive Bible study, and David Platt does those. So uh, he's adopted multiple children. I'm not sure exactly how many. But I've, I've uh, read some from a sermon he did on these verses as well. But he talks about adoption and things that you probably shouldn't say to perspective or current adoptive parents, you know, parents that have adopted children or are looking into adopting a child. And one of the questions uh, he's, he's heard asked and, and kind of gets upset about is when somebody says, oh, so you're adopting a child to add to your own children. And he's like, wait a minute, what do you mean adding to our own children? This child is going to be our own child. Um, he's also heard, well, do you know who the mother is or who the father is? Well, we are. Yes, we, we know who his mother and father is. We are their mother and father. Um, and he's heard people say, well, we want to start a family of our own before we adopt a child. And the only true experience I have with adoption is the little brown fellow that runs around here, um, Malachi, my nephew. And I would never think that he wasn't Micah and Misty's own child. Uh, you know, I get to see the interactions. And does Malachi know his heritage? Sure he does. The First Baptist Church of Ocean Way is his heritage. This is his family. It's where he's grown up. That's what he's going to know. And I don't say that in a, and, and neither does David Platt in a, a judging way, but when you're talking to folks that are adopting or been in adoption, just kind of be careful of how you approach it because that child is no different than a biological child. And as we'll see, that applies to us as we're adopted into the kingdom. Um, 
so the first thing uh, I want to look at is a statement that he, that David Platt uses to relate how we look at adoption a lot of times compared to our salvation, to our Christianity. And he, he spends a lot of time talking about those comments that we just talked about, your own child, do you know where you're from, and all that thing. And then he says this. He said, this is where we realized some of these phrases that he would encourage us to avoid are not really much just phrases that frustrate adoptive parents. In a deeper way, they actually demonstrate an underlying, an underlying deficiency when it comes to our understanding of Christianity, especially this distinction between biological child or adopted child. We have such a hard time thinking of a child if flesh and blood are not involved. And if that's the case, then we will have a very, very difficult time understanding the gospel. A story that tells about a spiritual, transracial adoption that takes place in each one of our lives. And so that's what we're going to look at today is freedom as adopted sons. And so if you have your Bible, as I hope that you do, if you'll open to Galatians 3. And we're going to start in verse 26. So Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 26. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you, for as, many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray. God, I just pray you open our hearts to the message that you would have us to receive. Uh, Lord, that each one of us will just listen and take the message out uh, to, to pass on to the world. Lord, that we may go and make disciples as you command us to do in your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so the first thing I want to look at is we're free to be justified. So if I were to ask, what is the one thing that we need to be a Christian? I'm sure several things would come to mind. We need to have faith. We need to be forgiven. We need to repent. And all those are good, but there's one thing that needs to happen in order for us to be saved, and that's we need to be justified. And it, the picture of justification is the fact that we sit here guilty in front of a holy God and there's no way that we can be granted access to him unless we're justified. And the only way to be justified is through the blood of Jesus. So sort of a definition I've written here for justification is the gracious act of God by which he declares a sinner righteous solely based on faith in Jesus. That's one of those uh, phrases or sentences that's very, very simple to say. A lot of times it can be very difficult to put into practice because we always want to add something to the equation. Uh, we want to be able to say, well, look what I've done to help earn this, to gather this, to be a part of this. And it's very simple. There, there is nothing 
we can add to it. If we have the faith, God promises that he'll uh, forgive our sins and we can live in eternity with him. And so I want to look at a, a quote from J.I. Packer, a theologian who lived in the 20s, uh, was born in the 20s and lived through 20, I think he died in 2020. Um, again, he was a theologian. He wrote the Knowing God book, which a lot of people have read, and he was also part of the team that created the ESV translation that we use predominantly here at First Baptist Ocean Way. And he has a quote here about justification. He says, justification is the primary blessing because it meets our primary spiritual need. We all stand by nature under God's judgment. His law convicts us. Guilt gnaws at us, making us restless, miserable, and in our lucid moments afraid. We have no peace in ourselves because we have no peace with our maker. So we need the forgiveness of our sins and assurance of a restored relationship with God more than we need anything else in the world. And this, the gospel offers us before it offers us anything else. So justification is primary. It's fundamental. It's one of those uh, doctrines that we can't waver on. We can't say, well, you have your way, I have mine. This is fundamentally the only way to heaven. You have to be justified. But don't let that go completely away, what he says, because he's not done with it, but we'll get to it at, towards the end. So remember his comments about justification. It's primary and it's fundamental. We are saved by grace alone through faith alone. And to be justified, we need to be righteous before a holy judge, as I said before. And there's nothing we can do to attain that. No amount of works, actions, prayers, anything can do that. It's solely through our faith in Christ. And so one of the ways that a lot of times we're, we're given examples of how to, to see justification is our court system. Whereas you commit a crime, you go sit in front of a judge, it, whether it's a trial or, or what have you, then you, you get convicted and sentenced. Um, so um, we look at the example. Uh, this is David Platt uh, talking about being in front of a judge. He would illustrate it this way. He says, if you can imagine standing before a judge knowing that you are guilty, so not hoping you're not guilty, hoping you're guilty, but knowing for sure, without a doubt, that you're guilty. And the judge declaring you, like he does everyone, through faith in Christ, not guilty. And that's the example of justification. We're standing in front of that judge, um, guilty. And I know the cases that I had when I went to court, it was easy to prove guilt because it was a crash, and airbags are generally deployed, and the only way to leave your DNA on an airbag is to be involved in said crash. So it was easy for me to have the evidence to prove them guilty. So imagine, even with all that evidence proving you're guilty, the judge looks at you and says, not guilty. You're free to go. Again, as with the Packer example, hang on to that, because we're going to see a little added to it um, here at the end. So we'll look at the second point. We're free to be heirs. Uh, verse 29 on chapter 3 says, and if you are Christ, notice there's an if there, if you are Christ. This doesn't apply to everybody. It only applies to those who are justified through faith in Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Uh, 
And that doesn't, obviously that doesn't mean that all of a sudden our Ancestry.com profile is going to show that our lineage now leads to Abraham. That's not what we're talking about. We're not physically uh, Abraham's offspring, but spiritually we're part of the promise that God gave to Abraham in the Old Testament. So prior to being saved, we're like children. We're the child of the person with the inheritance, but we have no access to it. And if you look at uh, verse or chapter 4, verse 1, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. And I want to take just a quick moment. If we think of inheritance today, it's generally just how much money am I going to get when mom and pops die. That's basically how it looks in today's society is what's the will going to give to me? And it's, you know, I think of... Uh, a while back, Kelly and I watched the Dallas series, for those that remember that show. And, you know, whenever somebody would die, Jock Ewing or somebody like that, it was, oh, let's all go see the lawyer and see what we're going to get. When they talk about being an heir here in the Old Testament times, remember Paul's writing this in the first century. It was much more than that. It was way greater than just what is dad going to give to me. It was a matter of carrying on the family name. You were the next in line to continue the family lineage. There was lots of pride and everything involved in that. So remember, as we're talking about being heirs with this example, it's a lot different than what we think about being heirs to be. Um, and remember, uh, I think I bring it up in the end too, but remember too what we're talking about, what we're the heir to. We're not the heir to the Trump fortune or the Bezos fortune or any of that. We're heir to an eternity with God. We are an heir to not being separated from God for eternity. And that's a scary thing to think about, that you can spend eternity separated from God. But because of our faith in Christ, then we are part of the offspring of Abraham and we're heirs according to that promise. Before we were saved, we were the children that, we are all children of God, but before you're saved, you don't have access to that inheritance. You're like the, the slave quarters. You, you can see everything that's going on, but you can't touch it. You can't grasp it until we're saved, and then we move into the, the spot of heirs. Um, and also, one thing that, that Platt mentioned here, in this, this passage, in this example of being heirs, it talks about sons. And... A lot of times we'll say, well, we want to say sons and daughters. They mean sons and daughters. No, in this specific example, he means sons because who, got, who was the heir in the first century church? It was always the sons. So he's talking specifically about the inheritance. But if you look up just a few verses, uh, 28, chapter 3, verse 28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female. You all, and as Micah says, what does all mean? All means all, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So don't get spun up or trapped up in the fact that it says sons. That's the example of the time. When, when you read scripture, you need to make sure you're thinking what was going on in this time frame. And at this time, the sons always were the heirs and got everything. So uh, be careful not to let that throw you for a loop at all. Um, and ultimately, when we're justified, we receive the full rights of sons, which is the inheritance that we spoke about. And so finally, what I want to talk about is adoption. Free to be sons, or as it says, to be adopted. Verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. 
But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So it starts there with when the time was right. And for us, that time is all different. Um, we've all, I hope, I pray that we've all had that time when we've come to know Christ. Um, for me, a little testimony, if you will. My mom went to church when she was a kid. She kind of moved away from home when she was 15, didn't really go back. I remember going to church as far as like first or second grade. I did Awanas. The bus would come get me. Um, I, I enjoyed going. And then sixth grade came, the youth and their favorite sport was basketball. And I was no good. I'm still no good at basketball. But because of that, I didn't feel like I fit in. And because my mom wasn't in church to make me go, I, I left. I didn't go back. Uh, I went through college and then moved here to Jacksonville. And I had a roommate um, who was staying with me temporarily because he didn't have a place to stay. And every Sunday, he'd get up and kind of knock on my door. Are you going to church? No, nah, not today, Will. And finally, one day, I said, you know what? He's going to knock on my door until I finally go, so I'm going to make him go away, and I'm going to go to church. So I spent, uh, I went to Terry Parker Baptist Church, went to Sunday school, and went to the first class and went to the service. And I'll never forget, um, and this is something for all of us when there's somebody new, if, if they seem a little bit lost. I sat kind of over there in the front two or three rows, and one of the girls that was in Sunday school class said, you probably don't want to sit here. This is where the youth sit. And that was God knowing how much I love the youth <laughs> and how that's my mission, so I moved back. But I say all that to say the time was right, but also that's where I met Billy Pointer, the, the guy I told you to pray about. We met there, and the next week uh, a speaker came from the convention, the Florida Baptist Convention, and that's when I truly gave my heart to Christ. I had done it once as a kid, but um, that wasn't a true salvation experience. So that was my time. That's when my time was right. And that was in 1998, so this many years later, 23 years later, here we stand. Um, but when we come to Christ, we're redeemed. In verse 5, it says, To redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And um, that's kind of the key. We were adopted as sons. I don't speak to anybody's situation in here as far as what your example or lack of example or whatnot is as far as a father. Um, I know I love my father to death, but for my whole life, he was an alcoholic. He drank, died at 55 because of it. And so I say that to say all of our experiences are different. Some of us have parents that have been together forever. Our father's always been in our life all the way to the other end where you may not even know who your father is. But I can tell you, God is the perfect father. Whatever your example looks like here on earth, it can't compare to God the Father, who is the perfect Father. And when we get adopted, that's who we're referring to as our Father, not, not dependent on what your example here um, is in life. So when we get saved, when we are justified, we're no longer slaves, but we're sons. Since we are sons, we're heirs to the eternal life with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and justification in itself would be enough. I'm justified, I'm redeemed, I'm going to spend eternity with God the Father, and that's enough. We could stop right there. But as many times we see with God, uh, we don't know what's best for us, 
And so we get something and we think, you know, that is exactly what I needed. We can stop right there. And then God just adds a little bit more in his blessing that we never thought of to ask. And so that's what we're going to look at. Remember we talked about uh, Packer and his comment with um, justification, that it's primary. But then he also goes on to say, this is not to say that justification is the highest blessing of the gospel. Think about that. Salvation. And Packer saying, that's not necessarily the highest blessing of the gospel. He says adoption is higher because of the richer relationship with God that it involves. So it's not just salvation and we're done. It's salvation and a relationship with our Father for eternity. So that's what Packer had to say about that. And let's go back to the judge example um, that we talked about. So the judge is on the bench. He says, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're guilty. But I'm going to hold you not guilty. I'm going to say you're not guilty. You're covered. But then it doesn't stop there. He gets up, takes off his robe, walks around to the front where you're standing. He takes off your handcuffs, and then he says, now come home with me. You're coming to live with me. So that's the addition, the blessing of adoption as sons on top of just being justified. So I want to close with a couple things. Um, one is Russ Moore, who teaches at Southern Seminary, I believe it is. He gives this example. Find it real quick. Wrong page. There we go. Imagine for a moment that you're adopting a child. And if you are in the process of adoption or have adopted a child, uh, kudos off to you. I know uh, the Gauchets that used to go there tried to go through the adoption process, and it's it's miserable here in the States. And we all walk through, most of us walk through Micah and Misty adopting Malachi and the 29 or 30 court dates it was over in India before they were given clearance. But imagine for a moment that you're adopting a child. As you meet the social worker in the last stage of the process, you're told that this 12-year-old has been in and out of psychotherapy since he was three. He persists on burning things and attempting repeatedly to skin animals alive. He acts out in various ways, the social worker says, although she doesn't really tell you, fill you in on what that means. She continues with a little family history. The boy's father, grandfather, great-grandfather, and great-great-grandfather all had histories of violence, ranging from spousal abuse to serial murder. Each of them ended their own lives. Think for a minute. Would you want this child? If you did adopt him, wouldn't you watch nervously as he played with your other children? Wouldn't you watch him nervously as he looks at the knife on the kitchen table? Would you leave the room as he watched a movie on TV with your daughter with the lights out? And the point of that is not to scare people off from adoption, but the point of that is he's you, he's me, and that's what the gospel's telling us. That is the child that we are, that God is willing to forgive and adopt us in his sons and daughters. Um, and I want to close with uh, another quote to make sure that we're all where we need to be. John Wesley, I think we've all heard of his name, but he was, uh, uh, for years, was a theological student and scholar. He was ordained. He served. He volunteered. He'd go into prisons to help prisoners. He would take food to children in slums. He fasted, prayed, studied incessantly, um, studied all the time. He worshiped constant, consistently, even when as a missionary from England to Georgia. He came back from Georgia after serving as a missionary there, and when he gets back, this is what he writes. 
I, who went to America to convert others, came to the point where I realized myself was never converted to God. Is it possible to do all the check blocks and not be saved? Absolutely. And he concludes with this. He says, then I had the faith of a servant. He was basically working because of the check blocks, but not the faith of a son that I have now. I had the faith of a servant, but not the faith of a son. I pray that each one of us in here has that faith of a son in our Father that we can be justified and spend our eternity in heaven. Thank you guys very much for your attention.